Hey, so we're going to, uh, I want to uh, pick up on last week's message, really part two of last week, walking in newness of life. And part of walking in newness of life is understanding the marriage that you now have with Jesus. And that in, in America and really in the world, about half of all marriages fail. It's a statistic, even among believers. Half of marriages fail, and about two-thirds of all second marriages fail. All kinds of reasons I'm not going to get into today. But I want to talk to you later today about a marriage that has a 100% chance of success. That when you get married to Jesus, it's forever. It's not one that he's ever going to leave you. He's never going to treat you poorly. He is going to be there for you forever. And that's really where I want to go. I want to end up today. I'm going to need some volunteers. And I didn't really ask anybody, but I will need a married couple. So I'd like to, to have a married couple to help me uh, demonstrate something later. And I'm going to need a couple other volunteers. And I just want to give you some practical teaching today. You know, last week was a, a, a you know, just one of those weeks that was so good. Uh, we had eight people that gave their lives to Jesus last week. It's amazing. And on top of that, we baptized 17 people into, uh, into their new life in Jesus. So that was great. So if you weren't here, you missed out. And last week, we really talked about that how water baptism is a picture of what takes place in the spirit realm when you accept Jesus, that the old man dies, and you're, you die with Jesus, you die with Christ, the Bible says, and that the same way he was buried, you're buried, and the same way he rose again, you rose again. And that's really when you're going down under and back up out of the water, that's what that's a picture of. Now, I had some really fun. I had a couple people that, that I had to almost force under the water. And it, it, was, it, it was really fun, and it was really raw. There was, uh, there was some, some, just some really, really fun time last week, and I thoroughly just, uh, I, I know Jesus was, was honored, but it was, uh, it was great. So if you didn't get a chance to see that, you can watch that online. It was a fun, fun week. All right, so today, last week I talked about, our, our passage was Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and we'll go, go ahead and pull, uh, pull up the PowerPoint. This week I want to look at part two of walking in newness of life, because there were things that happened the day you got saved. It says that you died with him, speaking of Jesus. You were buried with him. You rose with him. And that because of that, that you should walk in newness of life. And that word should walk, all the other things were done in the past. They have been finished, they're completed, but the word should walk is really in the, the subjunctive mood, which means the possibility is there, the potential's there, the, it, it can happen, but it doesn't always happen. So the fact that you've been, you died, you've been buried, you've been risen with him, and now you should walk in newness of life. And this week, I want to talk a little bit more practical about how to walk in newness of life. Because there's a couple things the Apostle Paul goes on in chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 5 through 16 today. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 16. And then also we're going to flip over to Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 4, pretty quick uh, toward the end. So I want to read this verse to you in the Amplified. This is where we kind of left off last week. I like this version. 
It says, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. And in the, in the King James or New King James we used last week, it said you should walk in newness of life. And we talked about that word to walk really means to live. It means every part of your life. So not just coming to church, but it's going to work. It's taking the kids to school. It's, it's hanging out at home. It's the entirety of your life. Every part of your life should reflect the new life that's on the inside of you. So there's a couple things that, that Paul practically gives. The next slide was kind of like where we left off last week. It says, everyone who has accepted Christ has died with him, been buried with him, raised to life with him, but not everyone is walking in newness of life. So there's a couple things the Apostle Paul gives today. Two things that he wants you to know. And then the last thing is something he wants you to do. So two things he wants you to know in this passage. One is that sin no longer has power over you. Number one, sin has no longer, no longer has power over you. And the second thing is you're as dead to sin and alive to God as Jesus is. So as dead as Jesus is to sin and as alive as he is to God, so are you. And so a lot of times, you know, we, we think when we get saved, people say, well, you're still going to struggle with this thing, or you're still going to be stuck in this, or you're going you're gonna to deal with this issue the rest of your life. And I want to give you some practical tips today how not to do that. Because the truth is, once you're saved, you no longer need to struggle with sin. Sin no longer has power over your life, and you're as dead to sin as you are, or as Jesus himself is. And if you think of Jesus, I don't think Jesus is struggling with sin today. Not an issue for him. Now, when I say you're dead to sin, all through the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul uses sin as a noun, which typically means your sin nature, your nature to sin. Not talking about the actions of sin or sinning. So obviously that we can sin once we're saved, but once you're saved, you choose to do it. You're not forced to do it. And that's kind of the end. The last thing you need to do is your power sin no, no longer has power over you. You're as dead to sin as Jesus is. And once you know that, the Apostle Paul says, now you've got to choose. Now you've got to choose who you're going to obey. Now you've got to choose who you're going to submit to. Now you've got to choose who you're going to yield to. Uh, now that you're not forced to live that way any longer, now that you have a new nature, are you going to choose to submit to God? and bear fruit under righteousness, or are you going to choose to submit to the old way and bear fruit that leads to death? So that's kind of where we'll end up today, and hopefully I'll give you a nice picture at the end, and uh, we'll have a little fun with it. You guys ready? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Are we ready? All right. Okay, look, when we come to church, we come to learn, right? So I want to help you mature. I want to help you grow in your faith. If you're new to faith, uh, we want to invite you to accept Jesus, and we'll have a time to do that later if you want to. But uh, really, church, we get together as believers, and we learn here so that we can go out there and be effective, right? So we're, we're, we're learning, we're maturing, and we're growing. All right, so let's go to the next slide. Romans 6, verses 5 says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, 
certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. All right, get this. Remember I said there's two things Paul wants you to know. Knowing this, our old man, everybody say old man. Hey, ladies, any of you got an old man out there? All right. Other than my wife saying I'm an old man, anybody got an old man? If you're saved, you all have an old man, or you had an old man. Knowing this, our old man was what? Crucified. So a lot of times people say you need to crucify the old man every day. Well, the old man was crucified. So have you ever tried to crucify a dead corpse? Pointless. So the first thing he says I want you to know, I want you to know that your old man was crucified with him, meaning Jesus or with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with. What's that mean? Okay, so the old man, the old you, the sin nature, your dead, your, your, your corrupt spirit that you were born with, that part of you died. That part of you was crucified with Christ. And he said, I want you to know this so that the body of sin, now we're talking about this body, will be done away with. It doesn't mean to be like evaporated. It means that to be done away with means to be rendered ineffective or to be rendered powerless. He said, I want you to know that the old man was crucified and the old man is dead, the one that was controlling you. And once you know that, now you can render the things that your body wants to do, you can render that powerless. When you know that this is dead, now all of a sudden, it doesn't force you to do the things that you used to want to do. But it starts here. So I want you to know that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with or rendered ineffective or rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. See, we're going to see a little bit later that when you were married to the old man, so to speak, and when that old man controlled you and did things to you, you didn't really have a choice. You were a slave to the old man. So when he told you to do this, you did it. When he told you to do that, you did it. The thing with the old man is the old man hated the Old Testament law. All right? Now, we're not under the law today, but the old man was under the law. And the old man hated the law. So when the, when the law said, do this, the old man did exactly the opposite. It's kind of like one time my wife and I were riding bikes through our neighborhood. And we're just pedaling along. And I saw the old man rise up in, in this saint of my wife right here. It's amazing how this happened. So we're riding along. And there somebody has a nice sign in their yard. You know, they have this pristine cut grass, and it's impeccable. And they have a little sign that says, do not walk in the grass. So what's my wife do? <laughs> she wanted, oh, she said she wanted to. Yeah, why did she want to step in the grass? Why did she want to ride? Because the sign said not to do it. See, there's this thing in you that when it says don't do it, we just want to do it. If I say, stop doing this, Pastor Jay, there's something in him that wants to do the opposite because that's what the old nature did to us. So the old nature is completely opposite of God, and that old nature that was our old man was married to us, actually enslaved us, and caused us to think a certain way, caused us to feel a certain way, and caused us to act and react a certain way. But he said, that guy's gone. 
and he's gone, so that you render the body of sin ineffective. For he who has died has been freed from sin. All right, next slide. First point's this. Since sin has no power in your life because its source, the old man, has been crucified. Everybody say this. Sin has no power in my life. Sin has no power in my life. See, too often, we just assume that we're always going to struggle with sin. People say, well, you're going to be dealing with this your whole life. You were an addict. You are an addict. You're always going to be an addict. You committed adultery. You're an adulterer. You're going to stay an adulterer. You are an adulterer. See, the reason Paul wants you to know, because when you know, whatever you perceive and know, you eventually walk out. If I perceive myself as still being stuck in sin, it's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm going to walk out the thing that I resolve my mind to know. So I have to start. This is why after Paul teaches you how to get saved, he focuses on renewing your mind. Because I've got to think different. I've got to see things different. I've got to start to see me the way God sees me. I've got to see me the way I am now, not the way I was. So that once the man of sin has died and been crucified, the source is gone. The source is gone. All right, next. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Okay, here's number two. Knowing this. So remember the first thing he said, I want you to know that the old man was what? Crucified. Now he says, knowing that Christ, so now he says, I want you to know something about yourself. The old man's dead. And now he wants to tell you how dead the old man is and how alive the new man is. He says, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies every day. How often did Christ die? Christ died once. And my man was crucified with who? Christ. And if he was crucified with Christ and Christ died once, how many times did my old man die? Once. Right. So knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. See, this is a big thing too. People, when we talk about that God has not given us the spirit of fear, Right? There's a lot of things people are scared of. Anybody got a phobia? Fire. Who's, who, who's scared of fire? Spiders. All right. Who, uh, snakes. What else? What is it? Cats. Heights. Okay. So, Reese, you're not really scared of heights. You're scared of falling from a height and dying. Autumn, you're not really scared of spiders. You're scared of getting bit by a spider and dying. Right? Kristen, you're not really scared of snakes. You're scared of getting bit by a snake and dying. Public speaking. I used to be scared to death of public speaking. Uh, I would... I don't want to go where... What, don't go there. Kristen said don't go there. No, you, you're not scared of public speaking as far as you just think you're going to, like, die up here. It's awful. So really, most fears, if not all fears, are rooted in the fear of death. 
When Jesus died once and came back to life, death is done away with. So whatever your fear is that's rooted in death, get rid of it. Because death no longer has dominion over you either. Sin doesn't have power over you. Death does not have power over you. Jesus defeated them both. For the death that he died, he died to sin how many times? Once for how long? All. He says he died to sin in verse 10 once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Is Jesus still alive today? Yes. He died how many times? Once. He rose how many times? Once. How long has he been alive? Forever. And how long will he be alive? Forever. Jesus said, in, in, uh, I think it was in uh, Revelation, he says, I am he that is alive. I was dead, but now I am alive forevermore. So what Paul says here, he says, all right, now you realize that your old man died. Is he coming back? Is, if your old man died and he was crucified with Christ, can he come back to life? No, he can't. So he says, I want you to think of it this way. The same way that Jesus died is the same way you died. The same way Jesus came back to life, you came back to life. And he says, likewise. So in the same manner, in the same way, the same way that you just thought about how Jesus died and came back to life and is now living today, I want you to think that same way. In the same manner, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what does that mean? The word reckon is an accounting word. It means to calculate. It means to compute. It has to do with facts and reality and not just opinions and feelings. Anybody, probably nobody ever reckons a bank statement anymore. Do, do people do that? Yeah, me and Dawn, like, probably the only two. Everybody under 50, like, what's a bank statement? So think about this. So you, you, you have your checkbook. Nobody uses those anymore either. But you, you, you look here, and your checkbook says, I got this. And the bank says, I got this. And at the end of the month, you get a statement, and you bring the two together. You make them equal. So that if, if the bank says, I've got $50, my checkbook now says I have $50. Reckon means to take two things and make them equivalent. It means to, to, it's an accounting term. It's to bring two things into an equivalency. So he's saying, I want you to make the same way in your mind that Jesus died and came back. I want you to think about yourself the same way. I want you to think that the same way he died to sin, you died to sin. The same way he's alive today and forevermore with God and to God, that's where you're at today. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, he says that we died with Christ, we rose with Christ, and now we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So that everything that's true of Jesus is now true of you. Next slide. It says, you are dead to sin and alive to God to the same extent that Jesus is. Is Jesus struggling with sin today? Why am I struggling with sin? 
Does Jesus, here's a bad teaching a lot of people get. And I think it started when I was a little kid and I watched cartoons. You ever see, and they have like a little one angel on this side, the good angel, and what's over here? Yeah, the bad angel and the good angel saying, you know, do good, do good, and the bad angel saying, do bad, do bad. So a lot of people believe that once you're, you know, when I was, when I was unsaved, I had a sin nature. And now that I'm saved, I have a new nature. And inside of me, there's these two natures. They're like dueling banjos going back and forth. And they're, they're competing for me. You do not have two natures that work in you. You don't have the old nature working against the new nature. See, the old nature died and is buried. When Jesus brought you back, he created, made a new creation in you and put a new nature in you. So you don't have the old fighting against the new. Think about it like this. Is Jesus, does Jesus have two natures? No. See, when Jesus died, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He that knew no sin, Jesus never sinned, right? It said that um, he was tempted or tested, Hebrews says, in all points, like we are, yet without what? Sin. So Jesus was tested and tempted every way you've ever been tempted or tested, but he did it without sin. When he went to the cross, it says, he who knew no sin became sin. So sometimes we think that he took all the individual acts of sin, which he did, but more importantly, he became your sin nature. He took the very thing that was bringing you down, and he took that with him and it said he became sin. He became sin. He went to the cross. He died. And he didn't come back with any sin. He didn't come back with the old nature and the new nature. He died. He took it to hell. And it's gone. And that's how you are. That's how you are today. So I want to uh, give you a little example here of, of what this looks like. Just to, uh, I want to look at Romans chapter 7. So let's go to the next slide. Keep going. All right. I need some volunteers. I want to give you a little picture. Uh, we'll end with this today. Uh, I need a married couple. Give me a married couple. Gonna go, oh, Don and Pam. All right. Let's give Don and Pam a round there. All right. Jay, I'm going to call on you. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And Kristen, come on up here. Or actually, Kara. Hey, Kara, come on up here. All right, come on up here. Come on up here. Now, Dawn, I'm going to sit you out of the picture for a while, okay? All right. All right, you, you just kind of take a seat right over here. Kara, come on up here. All right. Kara, you're going to stand right over here, right here. All right, there you go, right here. Pastor Jay. Everybody say, hi, old sin nature. This, this is the old man right here. I'm going to let him be the old man. This is the old sin nature. Isn't he an ugly, isn't he an ugly old sin nature? He's awful. Okay, let's look up and read this. You guys turn around here, we'll read this. Pam says, avoid all appearances of evil. So just keep your distance from this guy, all right? Do you not know, uh, brethren, I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband, as long as he lives, but if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband. So this is talking about that not only are we dead to sin, but we're also dead to the law. 
But we're going to see another thing here that, that kind of ties them both together. So in the Old Covenant, uh, a woman didn't have a means to get rid of her man that she was married to. Now, there was, there was permission. This is the great thing about being a guy. Guys were allowed to divorce the wife. Like, if, for some, if I just come up to Pam and like, you know what? You're just not getting it for me today. You know, just, I'm done. Here's your bill of divorcement. We're done. All right? So under the old covenant, that was never God's plan. God's plan that marriage is for life, but because of men, he allowed them, he wrote it into the law that they could get a divorce. But the divorce could only be issued by the man, not the woman. So if a woman marries a dirtbag... She's stuck with that dirt bag. Until what? Until he dies. So the guy could divorce the wife, but the wife could never get rid of the man. So here's this man, Pam. This is, no, no, I'm going to let, okay. So this is going to be our old sin nature. Remember, we're three parts. Spirit. Pam is the soul. Now this is, the soul is your personality. It's your mind, your will, your emotion. It's kind of like the real, it's the you. It's the you people know. It, it's, uh, so if you know Pam, you know her, that's, that's her soul. That's her. And, and Kara here is going to represent Pam's body. That's the physical part that Pam lives in. So Pam's spirit, she's born with this dirt bag she's married to. We got Pam who, who Pam started out as this very nice, loving, caring, wonderful self of her. She, she's just a great person. And then she lived in this beautiful body right here, Kara. This is Pam, right? Three parts of Pam. So here's what happens. As Pam grows up, Paul said that I, and this is later in chapter 7, he says, I was alive once without the law. But then the law came in and sin revived and I died. What's that mean? He said, when I was a kid, and we believe in what's called age of accountability, which means that little kids, until they get to the point in their life when they can discern right or wrong, that they go to heaven. And once they get to that point, all of a sudden, the law comes in, sin is imputed to them, and their spirit dies. So Paul said, there was a time that I was alive once without the law. But then the law came in, and it, it says sin revived. Actually, the law caused a sin revival. And all of a sudden, once the law came into Pam's life, it aroused something in the old man that made him want to reject all those things. And he started, now look, they're married, right? They're married. And what happens when you're married to a dirtbag? Guess what you become? You become a dirtbag. And this guy was so bad, he would, he would run around on her. He would cheat on her. He would talk dirty about her. He would put her down. He would gossip about her. He never lifted her up. He spent all their money. He did everything bad uh, that you can imagine. He'd occasionally beat her. So you can imagine what happens, even though she's been married to this dirtbag, it changed who she was. It, it affected the person that Pam was. And the person that Pam used to be, all of a sudden, is not the person that Pam is now because of this guy. All right, so what happens when Pam gets saved? Really, Jay's a great guy, I'll just say. Jay, Jay's like the epitome of Jesus, but that's what makes us great. All right, so when Pam gets saved, what happens to the old man? He dies. He's going to fall out right here. Go down. You're going down. Boom. 
feel like Benny Hand or something. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go to the next slide. All right, so Pam cannot get released of the dirt bag, the old man, until he dies. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she'll be called an adulteress, okay? So while she's married to Jay, she can't be married to Dawn, right? Because you can only be married to one person at one time. Jesus is not into bigamy. Jesus cannot marry you as long as you're still married to him. Because you can only be married to one man at a time. But when he dies, it says, but if her husband dies, she's free from the law, so she's not an adulteress, although she's married another man. So once this guy dies, now she is legally able to marry somebody else. Who is that? Verse 4, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, him who was raised from the dead, here he comes, the one raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. This is what takes place on the inside. You have a new nature. The old nature's dead. He's not coming up unless you go back and dig him up, but you don't want to do that. Just leave him there. You have a new nature. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says this. It's talking about, it's, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, it says, you know that, uh, speaking of a man and a woman, it says, the two shall become one what? Two become one flesh. So Paul uses the example in the physical realm of two becoming one. He says, in the same way, he that is joined under the Lord is one spirit with him. So that when you get married to Jesus, when he comes in and takes that place in your life, you're literally now so intertwined. It says the same way that two become one flesh, two become one spirit. That your spirit and his spirit are literally so identical, they're like one spirit. All right, but why do I still struggle? Here's why. probably don't make these anymore, but the use, when I first got into business, we had these computer screens called CRT screens. Don, you probably remember those. Oh my goodness, I didn't even know what it meant. Cathode, <laughs> that, there's the deal, cathode ray too. Okay, so when these CRT screens, it was like your computer screen, it would be this blinking dot, or there'd be words that would be on there, usually in green letters. And when you turn it off, it would actually burn whatever was there onto the screen, and you'd eventually have to replace the screen. So what happens? This old man down here that's now dead, playing with a twiddling his thumb, he put an imprint right here. He left his imprint on her mind. He left his imprint on her feelings. He left his imprint on the way she acts. She's married to the new man, but she still has a thinking pattern of the old man. And how often, I mean, if you, if you were married to a guy that beat you and he died, ladies, and you got married to a great guy and he reached out to, to hug you, you might flinch. Because the, the, the way the previous man treated you is ingrained right here. Or if your new husband went to say something nice to you, you instantly think it's going to be something mean because that's the way the previous man was. And that previous man left his imprint here. 
And if I don't start to change the way I think, I will by nature start to act out the way that guy used to want me to because it's still here. So here's what happens. This is why Paul says you've got to know. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to start thinking the way things really are. You really have to see it because here's what will happen. You have, you have your born-again spirit who is just like Jesus. You're married to Jesus right here. And you've got Jesus wanting you to do one thing. You've got the Holy Spirit in you wanting you to live a certain way. You've got some bad habits. You don't. I do. All right, you do. All right. Well, you know what? That's a great place to start. You know, We've got some bad habits, some things that because of that guy over there, we started to do things a certain way. They're habitual. So what happens? As I renew my mind to God's word and what God says about me, all of a sudden I can start moving my body the way God wants me to go. And all of a sudden, I can start doing with my body righteous things, holy things, right? Because my mind is renewed to my spirit. If I don't renew my mind and I allow the patterns of the old man to stay here, all of a sudden, my unrenewed mind and my bad habitual body, guess what they do? They pull my born-again spirit along with me into a bad place. No, you're still with me. Yeah. You're still there. Because Jesus says, I'll never what? Never leave you or forsake you. That's why Jesus said, or the writer James says, it says the spirit that dwells in you lusts to envy or yearns jealously for you. That while, He says that while you're sinning, he calls them adulterers and adulteresses, because while you're sinning, the spirit that dwells in you yearns earnestly for you back. So this guy never leaves. It's your new man. He's way better than your old man. But you got to renew your mind right here, because if I don't renew my mind, those old patterns are still there. The screen, the imprints, the thoughts, the images, the, the, the reactions are stuck here. That's why Paul says you really got to know that you know that you know. You got to know this stuff if you want to start living for Jesus. Okay. Don't be. We're going to go there. Yeah, we're going to go there. We'll, end, we'll, we'll finish that. Go ahead. Yeah, we're done. We're good. Give him a hand. All right. Thanks, Pastor. Here's payback. All right, let's just wrap this up real quick. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to go. Next slide. So you got to renew your mind. Start identifying with the way things are, not the way the things were. Quit thinking about the way things were. Quit thinking about the person you used to be. Quit thinking about that what I was stuck in, what, I, what people have called me my whole life. That's not you anymore. you got a new man in your life. you got a new nature inside of you. The old man, sin, has no power over you whatsoever. You're as dead to it as Jesus is. you got to start renewing your mind to it. Okay, let's finish up. So because of that, you now got a choice. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. So, so Don mentioned uh, don't be conformed to the world. So, so you're familiar with the verses in Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, uh, uh, brethren... Paul says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present what? 
your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. See, you can't change your life. But if you change your thoughts, God will change your life. If you change the way you think, God will transform you from the inside out. You can't change you, but you can change the way you think. You can start renewing your mind to what God's Word says about you. You can start renewing your mind to what Jesus has done for you. You can start renewing your mind to who you are in Christ. And when you do that, God will start to change your life. See, we had people last week that got saved, like they had all kinds of testimonies. Some had been delivered. Some were wanting to be delivered. Some were still in the process of being delivered. All over. But you just got to take a step. You just got to start knowing that God's already done it. That when you change the way you think, He will change the way you act. The New Living says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. All right, let's go on. Let's just uh, read the last few verses here and we'll pray and be done. Let's go. Next slide. Uh, we'll skip that. <clears throat> all right, here's the last few verses of Romans 5, 6, verses 5 through 16. It says, Therefore, all right, therefore always means based on what I just said. So Paul says, because of what I just said, I want you to know those two things that sin no longer has power in your life, and that you're as dead to sin and as alive to God as Jesus is himself. So because of that, he says, because of that, do not let sin reign, where at? In your body, in, the bo in this body. Don't let sin be, have control of this body. See, before you didn't, have, you, you didn't have a choice. Now you do. Before you couldn't control it. Now you can it says, don't let it rain in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Next slide. Let's go one more. <clears throat> for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. So let me just stop there real quick. Paul asked the same question earlier in, 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 in Romans 6. He said, well, should we just keep sinning so that grace may abound? He said in verse 2. And he said, absolutely not. And here again he says, uh, you're not uh, under law but under grace. What shall, shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? Certainly not. See, grace, grace is not, now I, I preach the un, just the, the awesome grace of God that when you're saved, you are forgiven, past, present, future. Your sins are, are done. They were paid for at the cross. You're forgiven. That is not an excuse to sin at all. If you're using grace as an excuse to sin, you don't understand grace. See, grace that sets you free empowers you to live a sin-free life. So Paul says, just because we have grace, does that mean we should sin? No. Grace empowers you to do the very thing it commands. So he says, I don't want you to sin. And by the way, I'm going to release grace over your life so you can live sin free. And he says, shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know to whom you present yourselves, slaves to obey, 
You are the one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So I just want to look at that verse in the New Living Translation just to give you a better understanding of it. And then I'm going to tell you you got a choice. All right, next slide. Here it is. So now that you know, he says you got a choice. You're not bound to sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're free from sin. You have a new nature. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? Don't ever say, I was, I've always been this, therefore I'm always going to be this. Don't say, I was born this way. Sin is a choice. Period. Once you're saved, you choose to sin. It's a choice. Do you not know that whoever, you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can become a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. All right, last slide. Here's what he says. Your life's your choice. You've been set free. You've been married to Jesus. You have a new nature. Sin is no longer an issue. But now you choose. Am I going to yield myself to the old way of doing it, to the old thought patterns, the old habits? Am I going to yield to that? That ends up dead end street. Or am I going to yield to God? Say, God, here's my members. Here's my mind. Here's my ears. Here's my eyes. Here's my tongue. My hands, my feet are yours. He says, when you do that, it leads to righteous living. It leads to holy living. You will start to produce fruit naturally. See, here's the amazing thing is, all this time when you try to, to do right things, you fail. But when you, when you renew your mind and when you present yourself to God, holy living just becomes the natural fruit of that. It's all, I don't want to say it's effortless, but it's... It's supernatural. So let me pray for you today. I, I know we're all at different places in our life. Let's stand up and close. I want to pray for you. I don't want you to think for a minute. Is there anything from my past life that I have settled for? When I say settled for, I just mean I've just accepted this is, the, this is the way I am. I've always been this. I'm always going to be this. I've always stolen. I've always lied. I've always shot up. I've always run around. I've always got drunk. Whatever it is. The fact that you used to do it, you don't have to do it anymore. So I just... First and foremost, if that's you today and you just want me to pray for you, I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I just want you to lift your hand up and say, hey, I'm holding on to some of my old life, and, and I, I want to renew my mind. I want to lay that down to Jesus today. Anybody here holding on to a few things? Okay, I see those hands. Good. All right, you can put those hands down. Anybody here today, you say, I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior. I've never said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. 
I deserve hell, but you've paid for it. I want to be forgiven of my sin and know that I can have a relationship with you. I've never gotten rid of that old man, and I need to. Anybody here today that might be dragging around that old man just wants to be free in today. Never said yes to Jesus. Never said yes to Jesus before. I don't see anybody. That's good. All right. If, if you want a prayer today, I uh, just want you to just put your hands up. Actually, everybody can do this. Put, put your hands out. We're going to do a, we're gonna do a prayer. We're just going to receive from God today. And then we'll close with this. Father, I thank you so much for the picture of how free we are. Lord, right now I just speak freedom over every person that has been lied to that the way they are is the way they're going to continue to be. That the lie that they've been told that they will always struggle with this issue in their life. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You did not set them free so they could live stuck. Father, I pray today that this word would settle in their heart. Lord, that they would see that they are indeed free from sin. That they are indeed alive to God. That they would come before you today say, Father, here I am. Here I am. Here's all of me. I'm not holding anything back. I'm bringing every issue, every habit, every, every bad thought, every wrong feeling that that old man has left me with, and I'm leaving that today, and I'm going to allow you to cleanse me. I'm going to allow you to continue to free me and make me free indeed today. Father, we just speak that over each person here today. Let them walk here today in newness, a greater understanding of what you've done for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Enjoy your day.